Blog Talk Radio. Dame Lillard 
had a big game for the Blazers. McCollum did his thing as well. The Blazers got what they've gotten over the past few seasons and what they got last year from their two big guns and McCollum and Lillard. And they did it again last night, beating the Lakers. You know, they, they're two big guns. They're two top dogs, if you will, stepped up, showed out, and did what they had to do for the Blazers to get the W last night. I'm about to say something that for some might come off as crazy, might come off as, as, as unbelievable, might come off as not impossible. You know, there's something not impossible, something that's just not or something wouldn't happen. It just can't happen. Something that you wouldn't think would ever happen. Ever, 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 ever. And I look at the Lakers, and then I look at the Western Conference. And I say to myself, okay, and just going to and going through the Western Conference, um, just looking at the standings, from a year ago. And and again, could be prisoner of the moment. No, I'm not prisoner of the moment. It's only one game, I know that. But I, I'm just looking at the Lakers. And when I look at LeBron over the years, when he went to Cleveland, you know, he had Kyrie Irving already there, a guy, a, a bona fide star, a guy that you knew and has proven that he could put the ball in the basket. You knew that. Then they acquired Kevin Love you know, a a double-double guy, guy can shoot the basketball, just a solid player, you know, a a star. And then, so you add that with LeBron and okay, you knew instantly that the Cavaliers were going to be special. You knew instantly that the Cavaliers were going, probably going to the NBA Finals. Now, you look at this Lakers team, and I think because you look at that Cavalier team, there were no maybes. You knew Kyrie Irving was going to put the ball in the basket and was going to be a, a, a second guy to LeBron James. You knew he could do it. You knew he could put the ball in the basket. You knew he would have a lot of success. You knew, based off the track record of Kevin Love, that he would have a lot of success with LeBron James as well. But I look at this Laker team. I knew Kyrie Irving was a legitimate number two. I knew that Kevin Love was a legitimate 2A or 3. I knew the Lakers, not the Lakers, I knew the Cavaliers had three legitimate guys that could help that basketball team win a championship and do some amazing things. And ultimately, it did lead to a championship. Not in year one, but in year two. It got them to the finals in year one, but you got him a championship in year two. I look at that, and I look at, you know, the way that team was constructed and the way this Lakers team is constructed, I have concerns. I, I have concerns from the standpoint, I don't know who is going to be your legit number two guy. Is it going to be Brandon Ingram? 16 points a game last year. Average is going to be Kuzma. It's going to be him? I mean, who is going to be that third guy? I'm seeing a lot of – I'm seeing LeBron 
and I'm seeing everybody else. I'm not seeing a star. Because when I looked at the Cavaliers, when LeBron joined up with those guys, I saw stars and and, and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. I'm not seeing that caliber player here with the Lakers. Am I off here? Am I wrong? Am I wrong with the belief that there's a possibility that even with LeBron James and, and, and going back to LeBron James, when he was in Cleveland, he was younger. He was a younger player. And I know LeBron James had a big-time year last year. I know LeBron James put up some big-time numbers last season for the Cavaliers. I know what he did in terms of getting them to the finals and what he had to do to get them to the finals and the way he had to play to get them to the finals. I know all that. I get all that. I know it, and I get it. But LeBron James is 33 years old, and he will be 34 soon, December to be exact. At some point, he's going to slow down. When LeBron went back to Cleveland, he was 30 years old. LeBron's going to L.A. at the age of 33, and it's going to be 34 soon. So at some point, he's going to fall off. And I'm not saying he's going to fall off this year. I'm not even going to say it's going to be next year. I don't know when it's going to be. Well, at some point, he's going to fall off. But here's my thing. Here's my thing. When he went to Cleveland, he had two legit stars, Kyrie and Kevin Love. With the Lakers, I'm seeing some maybes. Maybe Ingram can turn into a star. Maybe Kuzma can turn into a star. I'm seeing a lot of maybes. And here's the difference. LeBron was in the Eastern Conference when he went back to, when he went back to Cleveland. He's in the Western Conference now. This is a whole different animal. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think there's a good chance that the Lakers could miss the playoffs. I may be wrong here, and, and, and maybe I'm undervaluing the Kuzmas and the Ingrams of the world. But I don't see that second guy. And I definitely don't see that third guy. I see one with LeBron and, 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 a, and some maybes. But we'll see. Well, we'll see. we got a full NBA season. 81 more games to go for the Lakers. So we'll see what happens. We're going to bring in a guy who knows a lot about the sport of basketball. Ryan University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill. Marlon. Paul, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Doing well, you? Doing all right, man. Had a long day of practice, but, you know, I'm I'm revved up now to talk with you, man. For sure, for sure. Sounds good. So let me ask you that. I don't know if you heard me, but am I crazy to think that the Lakers could possibly, even with LeBron James in the mix, miss the playoffs in the Western Conference? Am I crazy? Uh, you're not crazy, but uh, I'm going to say a little off. I, I could see why you would say that a- after last night's game. But I, I will say this. I- I'll start it off by saying last night's game, I think, was more important for Portland to win than the Lakers to lose. And, and I'll tell you why. Because everybody has the Lakers penciled in a- as a – 
you know, between that five, six, seven, eight range. Well, who's one of the teams that will end up being in that five, six, seven, eight range? The Portland Trailblazers. So I, I think it was more important for them to win that game last night, uh, more, more than anything. Uh, because now if they lose that game, people are saying, okay, well, where does Portland fit into the mix? Or are they a team on the outside looking in? And this is a team that won, what, 47 to 45, 47 games last season. So I think last night's game was more important for Portland to uh, make a statement because if they would have lost that game, we're talking about the Lakers making the playoffs and now Portland not getting in after just one game. So, uh, you know, I I don't think you can look too much into the Lakers right now. I, I will say this, what I did notice, watching them play, uh, one, they have no interior presence. Uh, and, and I understand the game of basketball is going to this new offense of four out, sometimes even five out. But, you know, you can do that if you have shooters. And last night I, I saw a team that didn't necessarily have shooters uh, for LeBron to kick out to or for Rondo to kick out to or, or even Lance Stevenson for, for, for that case to uh drive and, and kick you don't have guys that can make shots uh Caldwell Polk is supposed to be that but he didn't make shots last night uh Lonzo Ball didn't, didn't make shots last night Kuma didn't make shots last night so you know I, I think th- those are some things that they have to fix uh you know because if I'm an opposing team I'm just gonna sag off everybody and uh force them to take dump shots now and, and give myself a better chance to win if LeBron's not driving, if they're not pushing the ball up the court, you know they're going. It's going to be hard for them to win some games. But even with that being said, you know LeBron is just that guy. I don't. I don't see them not making the playoffs. And I do have a concern also about the uh, the point guard position from this standpoint. When I watch LeBron and and watch LeBron have success. LeBron has the most success with a point guard like Mo Williams, a guy who could shoot. Uh, Chalmers in Miami, he could shoot. Kyrie, he could shoot. LeBron has the most success with point guards that could shoot. He doesn't have that here in Los Angeles. Is that a concern on any level for you? Well, first thing, shout out to Mo Gotti. That's my guy. Uh, we're actually playing him this year. So, Mo, if you're listening to this, Always a pleasure when we get together, my man. Um, you know what? You, you do bring up a good point of having a Mo Williams, a Chalmers, a Kyrie. I, I'll say this, what LeBron didn't have with those three guys was an IQ guy like Rondo. And I know Rondo can't make shots, but his IQ makes up for a lot of deficiencies that, that he has. And, and I don't think LeBron has played with a point guard like Rondo before that knows the game, that can see the game, that can talk the game. So, you know, it, you make up for what you lack in shooting with IQ. It balances each other out, man, to be honest with you. Okay. All right. We're talking to Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill. So, Marlon, in the earlier game, early TNT game last night, we saw Markel Fultz. And we saw a guy, like, I have concerns. I have concerns about his stroke. I don't think his stroke is completely fixed. It's still 
looked slightly off to me. I mean, you know, I could be wrong there, but it looks it looks slightly off. It don't look right. But also see you guys, I don't know how good he's going to be, and I believe the Philadelphia 76ers need him. He's the guy to me, if he can be what they thought he could be or what they want him to be, they could beat the Celtics. If he's not that guy, I don't see them beat the Celtics. Are you concerned about Markel Fultz? I'm not concerned about Markel Fultz's shot. I'll tell you what I am concerned about, his demeanor on the court. Uh, it's one, it looks like he's not interested. Uh, he's not enthused. Like, okay, there, there are ways to impact the game if you aren't making shots. Give me something on defense. Give me passion to go grab a rebound. Uh, get a defensive stop. Just give me something else that lets me know that you're on the floor. I, I think uh, in the game against Boston, I might even send you a text. I forgot Markel Fuchs was on the floor during the possession. Uh, but but and, and you know what else? I, I'll say this, and, and hopefully this doesn't hurt me. Recruiting down to the DMV or, or anywhere else. Maybe uh, you don't anybody say that's so, No, but but you know, I, I think it needs to be said because uh, I think Charles Barkley might have even brought this up. The, the Sixers are doing him a disservice, in my opinion, by starting him in the first half and then sitting him to start the second half. It's, it's almost like you're, you're, tr- you're trying to appease him, but he hasn't done anything yet. So why why are we appeasing him, appeasing a guy that hasn't done anything yet? And that's probably the biggest problem we have in our game now. Like a lot of these younger guys, they come in and they haven't earned anything, but yet we give it, we give them stuff right away. Uh, you know, he's got to come in, he's got to earn it. But like I said, I, I don't know how we get to practice, uh, but from what I see, I, I see somebody that's not enthused to be on the basketball court. And if you look at the guys that he's playing around, MB give, gives you energy, has a little bit of, of a personality. Uh, even Ben Simmons' demeanor is a little different than MB, but you feel his presence on the floor. It, even somebody like a Reddick, you feel Reddick's presence on the floor. You, you know, I, I just need to see more of that out of force because that's a good team that, that they have over there, minus – Robert Covington, and you know my take on Robert Covington. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I kind of feel the same way about Robert Covington. He's limited in what he can do. Yes, he can defend, but he's limited. Steal, on the stealing money end. crew. Stealing money crew. You might be at the top <laughs> of the list of my stealing money crew. Here's what I say about folks. I agree with you in terms of his body language. I don't know, and, and I hate to read into body language, because sometimes body language doesn't tell the whole story all the time. But his body language is awful. And I think he does need to sit down with some type of body language specialist to help him with that. Because it doesn't look good. He has bad body language. And I don't think, I don't think the body language tells the whole story. I, I just think, oh, man, it's, just, it, 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 it's not good body language. But I don't think it's him. I, I think... I think it's just who he is. I think it's just a part of his makeup. I don't think it's – I don't know. It's just, and, 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 you, and you might be right. That, that might be the case. So I don't want to, you know, seem like I'm coming at him too heavy. So that might just be who he is as, as a person. His personality is not as outgoing. But I know this. 
in the game of basketball, you got to have some kind of dog, some kind of killer instinct in you to be able to survive and have a productive career. Because right now, you know, and I don't want to bash Fultz anymore, he might be worse than Kwame Brown. <laughs> oh, and, well, and it's still early, so I, I, early. I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope I'm wrong because, like I said, he comes from a good program at the Master down in D.C. Uh, he played for some good coaches at, at Washington with uh, Coach Romar and, and Coach Chittles. So, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong. What do you think about his stroke? It doesn't look all the way there. Like I watched – I remember watching Summer League and watching his stroke and, and his confidence, and he, he looked totally different. Well, I, I think he's – and I'm no shot expert, and, and I'm sure he's seen as many experts as he needs to see. Uh, I'm sure the Sixers do a good job with working on him with that. Uh, right now what it looks like to me is that he's pulling it back too quickly all the way for a follow-through. Um, so everything either comes up short, and then when he changes it, it's long. So, you know, but that'll just continue to get in the gym, get reps up. And like I said, I'm sure the Sixers are working on him with that. So at the end of the day, do you feel like the Sixers made a mistake? And here's the thing. before we, I know in terms of Tatum, Celtics were taking Tatum no matter what. They had the number one pick. Ultimately, they traded with the 76ers. But if they knew the Sixers wanted Tatum, they wouldn't have made that trade. So Tatum was going to Boston regardless. That, you know that. So I think it, it doesn't matter in terms of that. But did the Sixers make a mistake with Markel Fultz and, and drafting him? I think, what we're, I, I, I think what we're seeing is Danny Ainge is a much better general manager than he was a player. And he was a good player. He was a great role player. He was. For the Celtics for Portland. But, my Lord, he's a smart GM. I, I think he duped the Sixers big time, and they fell for the bait. And, you know, he was able to get the guy he wanted. And now we're talking about Jason Tatum being a, a guy that the NBA could put uh could market. And now we're talking about Markel Fultz being Kwame Brown. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point – but I, I feel like at this point, you know, Markel Fultz is 20 years old, and he's basically a rookie at this point. So, I mean, he's going to go through some growing pains. I mean, there's there's flashes you see, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. But we'll, hopefully, hopefully it gets better because if he's the guy who I hope he is, I think the Sixers can beat the Celtics. But he has to be that guy. And I think – to your point, I think they are doing him a disservice by not starting him in the second half. I feel like J.J. Redick, yes, with J.J. Redick in the lineup, you can win 52 games, you can get back to the playoffs, but you're still not beating the Celtics. I think with Markel Fultz, if Markel Fultz is right, I think you can beat the Celtics because he gives the Sixers something that they didn't have last year, and that's the guy that can break you down off the dribble score off the dribble, and 
a guy who brings some athleticism into the starting lineup because that's what you need against the Boston Celtics. So, for me, well, I, I'll, I'll say you're crazy. If I was 30 pounds lighter, I'd be dating the shopper. So, no way. <laughs> so, we're talking to Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill. I'm on a roll right now, Paul. <laughs> speaking of the Celtics, speaking of the Celtics, I mean, watching them the other night, I'm like, man, this ball club, is they, they're going to be tough, and they're going to be around for a long, long time. Let me ask you, before I get too deep into the Celtics, I was watching Boston, and, you know, watching them last year with Terry Rozier in the playoffs and the way he played in the playoffs, and watching him to start out the season. I, I'm asking you this question, and, and I could be, again, I could be wrong here, and I could be prisoner of the moment on some level. But is Kyrie Irving on some level turning into a luxury for the Boston Celtics? No. Kyrie Irving is still one of the top ten players in this game. Uh, you know, I, I think what you're seeing is, once again, Danny Ains are doing a good job and putting the pieces together. And, you know, Brad Stevens knowing what buttons to push for this team to be successful. I mean, you, you look at their starting five, you know, it matches up with any starting five in, in the NBA. But then if you go to their bench w- with Rozier and, and some of those other guys, they can go play on any team and make an impact as well. I, I think what's going to be important with the Celtics is can they keep it all together and can they keep the egos out of the locker room? Because if I'm Terry Rozier, I'm saying to myself, I probably need what Marcus Smart's getting in $14 billion a year. But now I can even say, well, why can't I get more than that? Because I'm younger than him. So what? I could get an extra 2 $3 million, And that we're talking about $17 million a, a year. So, you know, now, now you got to watch egos and, and guys worrying about me. Uh, instead of we, you know, but I, I think if they can keep it together, it's, it's just so many weapons, you, you know, uh, Kyrie will get into his, his swing once the season progresses. Gordon Haywood will, will, will get over, you know, his injury and, and continue to blossom. Uh, you know, Al Horford does what he does. Obviously Tatum's a star, but now let's say you take those four guys away. You still got Rozier to worry about. Marcus Smart brings his energy off the bench. Morris brings mm-hmm. his toughness to the game. And I still haven't even touched on Jalen Brown. There's right. no way you can stop all those guys. If you stop two guys on a nightly basis, you still got four to five other guys to worry about. That's not easy. It's not easy to, to defend. So if they can keep everything together and, and – keep guys thinking the right way, I, I don't see why the Celtics can't be in the next five straight finals, NBA finals. And I mean, they, they're deep. They're, they're definitely a deep basketball team. And just watching them last night, and I'm like, they're going to be a tough team to get in front of and then tough team to beat. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I still feel like with the 76ers and those, you know, two generational talents and and, and Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid, 
I think the Sixers need that third guy to step up. If they can get that third guy, they can compete with the Boston Celtics. So well, it maybe it's, still, even it's still early. It's still early, Paul. But I'll say this: you know where the Sixers will fall short is the experience. And you know, I, I told one of my guys a line today: experience is the best teacher, but it's a shame that it takes our youth to go and get it. And right. that's just what the Sixers are going through. They're just a young team, so they don't know what it takes to, to win yet. You know, making that run in the playoffs was great, but now you've got Kyrie who's been to a final. You've got Al Horford who's been to a conference final uh, or, or semifinals with the Hawks, excuse me. You've got Gordon Hayward who's been to a, a, a second round. Uh, you got Marcus Smart who's been to a second round. So it's easier for those guys to pull a Rozier, to pull a Jason Tatum and say, no, this is what needs to be done for you to get to that next round. The Sixers don't have that. They're doing it all on the fly. So, you know, it's kind of, you know, work on site. You know, that's the only way for them to get better. For sure. And and we'll definitely see. I mean, and then obviously Toronto, you got to watch out for Toronto with Kawhi, with, uh, Kawhi Leonard and everything. They're going to be tough. Nah, They're going to be tough Tor- as well. Tor- Tor- Toronto's done, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't believe it. No, 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 no. You know my take on DeMar DeRozan. It was an upgrade, but now what you're going to end up having, Kyle Lowry's not as bought into that because this guy's not there. Okay. All right. We'll see. Boston Celtics and Raptors play tonight, so we can, you know, get an indication. I mean, it's only game two, but we can get an indication of maybe – how that matchup is going to be uh, in this regular season. So we look at the Houston Rockets, and again, it's only one game, but defensively, it does seem like they miss Ariza, Balamute as well. It does seem like they miss those guys. And the one thing about the Rockets, one thing they had last year, they had nice chemistry. They had nice, obviously, they had the talent, but they had the chemistry as well. Melo's there, and I know you're a Melo guy. I know that you're a big mellow guy. I do think that the Rockets were better with Trevor Ariza, but I still think, you know, I mean, we'll see what, how much – I'm not saying Melo's done. I'm not saying that at all. But I think we do have to question, if things don't work out in Houston, can Melo – can you play winning basketball with Carmelo Anthony? I think you have to ask the question. I think you have to ask the question at this point, if it doesn't work out in Houston, again, a lot of basketball to be played. But how do you view Melo's situation in Cleveland, not Cleveland, Houston? Are you okay with him coming off the bench? He says it's a big adjustment. Well, let me start by saying this. and We had this discussion right when free agency happened, and I believe I said something along the lines, the biggest free agent this summer was Trevor Reed. Reason being, you saw what he brought to that Houston team, not even from an offensive standpoint. He could knock down an open three when his feet was set. He could run the floor in transition, you know, fit well in Mike D'Antoni's uh, offense. But defensively, you could put him on one through five, one through four at least, maybe a five if you needed to, and he would be effective. So now you lose that. You lose your best defender. On, on a team that doesn't really have defensive guys in, in James Harden, 
you know, Chris Paul will give an effort, but, you know, he's getting up there in age, and now you're adding Melo, who isn't known as, as a defender. So I, I want to say that they took a step back losing Trevor Reed. Now, I, obviously, to get Melo, you had to make some things happen, and I don't know the exact cap space, but, you know, I, I would have tried to keep Trevor Reed at first because, you know, you're one basket away from going to the finals last year. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, you know, so I, I think they got a little antsy and, uh, you know, didn't take care of the business they, they needed to take care of. And now just in regards to Melo, I, I think they're doing him a disservice by bringing him off the bench because, you know, Melo's a guy that he just plays. I, I think you're better suited having uh, Eric Gordon come off the bench. Who doesn't need to see how, how – things are going, you can throw Eric Gordon in it and he's going to let it fly and he's more apt to be beneficial to, to your team than Melo is coming off the bench. So it, it, it'll take some time and, and you know, Mike D'Antoni is a smart enough coach to know that you bring Melo in that starting lineup and then maybe sit him after the first three minutes and, and, and sub him out and go from there. But to bring him off the bench right now, it's it, doesn't help him, doesn't help the Rockets. Right. And and it's going to be interesting to see how that whole situation works out. And I think they can, again, it's still a lot of talent on that roster. I think they can fix it. But the chemistry, you can't always duplicate the chemistry that you had a year ago. And they had, they had some good chemistry last year, great chemistry last year. And that was one of the reasons they won 60-plus games. And one of the reasons, again, they were – this close, real close, going to the NBA Finals. Speaking, the team that they played, New Orleans, I mean, the Pelicans, again, it's only one game, but, you know, Miritich gave him some decent, uh, gave him a great game, got 30 points the other night. He gave him some great, great play last season, and then they added Julius Randle, who dropped 24 off the bench the other night. How do you see the Pelicans? I mean, are, are, could that be a factor in the Western Conference? The Pelicans will be a factor until February when Anthony Davis is no longer a part of their team. So he's getting traded? He will be traded somewhere, and he will be in Los Angeles next year. Okay. With the Lakers. Okay. No Clipper talk. Straight Lakers. Okay. Writing's on, on the wall. When he switched over agents and went to clutch sports, writing was on that's the wall. Huge. Yeah, that's huge. That's definitely concerning for the Pelicans. That's definitely concerning for the Pelicans. My thing with Anthony Davis is, and the thing that's plagued him throughout his career is health. I mean, that's been the biggest thing that really held him back is health. So hopefully he can stay healthy. Because if he stays healthy, man, oh, man. He could be, the, you know, top two, you know, in the NBA. I mean, he's that special. He, you know, he's that special of a player. Let me pull one of your moves real quick. Do you think he's still upset that he missed, I want to say, what was it, one game from getting another $24 million or something along those lines two years ago? <laughs> well, that's a lot, that's a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, a, you know, <laughs> It could be understated. Which, 
Would Anybody you be would be upset. It's <laughs> a lot of money. Indeed. Indeed. That's definitely a lot of money. So, yeah, I can understand anybody. If he's upset, he wouldn't be wrong. That's $24 million. I mean, that's a lot of money. <laughs> you, you can't – that type of money can't – you can't get that back. You can't get that type of that money back. That don't grow on trees. No, nah, no, That doesn't grow on trees. Not even a little bit. <laughs> Let me ask you this. The Golden State Warriors, obviously they seem like they're the, obviously they're the favorite in the West. The East is up for grabs. All said and done, how do you see the NBA Finals? I'm going to go Warriors-Celtics. Warriors-Celtics. And I will okay. take the Celtics in seven. Celtics in seven. Okay. All right. Celtics in seven. Okay. And I don't I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I really don't because the Boston Celtics are a very talented team. But I will say this, and, and I still feel this way. I could be wrong, but I still feel this way. Looking at the uh, Golden State Warriors, to me, if everybody is healthy, everybody's healthy, I don't see anybody beating them in a seven-game series. Because we, we look at that game, that series against the Rockets. Andre Iguodala wasn't healthy in that series. And he's a big part of what they do. If they're completely healthy, I don't think there's a team that can beat them four games in a seven-game series. I could be wrong about that. But I, 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 don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. But at, at the same time, I wouldn't even be surprised if they didn't even make the finals. Because as they've been playing a lot of basketball over the years. And at some point, that stuff catches up to you. Will this be the year where it finally catches up to them? Who knows? But at some point, all those, you know, 100-plus games, it takes its toll on your body. And at some point, it could take a toll on these guys. We'll see. This is true. So, Definitely will. So let me ask you this before we get out of here. You said you came, you know, you, you had some practice today, you know, with your, your Ryder University basketball team. How do you view your ball club uh, coming into this basketball season? Uh, you know what? The sky's the limit for us again, man. I think last season, you know, we snuck up on a lot of people to uh, win 22 games and win the regular season uh, title playing the NIT, uh, you know, Coming up this year, everybody has to pick number one uh, between magazines and all that stuff. As long as we, we don't read what people are saying and we come in every day with the same mentality to, to work, uh, we'll be okay. Now, that, you know, that becomes challenging because, you know, now you do have an ego, and, and it's understandable because of the success that you had previously. But if we can keep all that in check, and, and handle our business, you know, I, I think we'll have a good year. How, how difficult, especially in this era, I mean, with social media and everything, I mean, information is out there. It's out there, and it, it's not very hard to find. So how difficult is it for you guys as the coaching staff, knowing that, you know, a lot of people are picking this team, you know, to win their conference. A lot of t- people are high on this basketball team. Last year, like you said, they snuck up on people, and it's a lot easier to sneak up on people than it is 
to win when everybody's gunning for you. So what do you guys do as a coaching staff to, to try to, you know, calm that ego, if you will? Uh, there are certain things on the basketball court called lines, and you got to run from one line to the other. Equalizer. It puts you back in check real quick. Uh, but, you know, not to say that, that we've had to do a lot of running. Um, it's more so, you know, these guys understand what's at stake and they understand what it's going to take to get there. So, you know, every once in a while you got to reel them back in with, with some uh, with some running. But for the most part, you know, they, they, they've been great. Uh, we've got about 20 practices in uh, before our first uh, game of the year against uh, Central Florida. So, you know, we'll see. We'll just continue to work hard and, you know, continue to put our hard hats on and see how things go. Sounds good. So, hopefully the writer, the, your boys, the Bronx, a writer university can have a, another successful season. And then more importantly, well, not more importantly, but hopefully the Philadelphia 76ers can also have a very successful season <laughs> as well. Um, and, and one more team before we get out of here. You're next. One and oh. You know, Kevin Knox coming off the bench. You know, David Fitzdell's in the mix. I mean, you know, it seems like he brought a, a different type of energy to this team. Are you excited about this team? How are you feeling about this basketball team? In Fizz, we trust. I'll leave it at that. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I mean, I actually like that. I like the move of Fizdale, and I just feel like, I mean, I mean, I'm not a Knicks fan, but to me, basketball is always good when Philly's good, when Boston's good, and when New York is good, and when Los Angeles is good, even Chicago as well. So, I hope the Knicks can get back to their winning ways. I, I mean, I hope it happens, but it's good for basketball. It's definitely good for basketball when those teams are good. All those teams. So. Let's root for the Knicks. Hopefully, Fizz can bring a different type of energy, and hopefully the Knicks can make some noise in the Eastern Conference. Marlon, as always, man, appreciate it. I appreciate you, man. Let's do it again. For sure. Take care. You too. Marlon Gill, Rider University assistant basketball coach, giving some insight on this upcoming NBA season. Let's go to the NFL now. You know, we've got about 17 minutes left, so let's hit up this NFL. And let's talk about what we saw with the Chiefs, the New England Patriots. And what we saw in that game, first of all, was exciting. It, it was exciting. It was up and down. It was big play after big play. It was great at football. It was not great defensive football, but great offensive football and a great offensive – can't even talk. A great offensive display that we saw last week from both football teams. But that Kansas City offense, my goodness. Woo! That is big play. That is video game-like. That is fast break. You know, Patrick Mahomes and his ability to, to, you know, sling the ball around from all different angles and get up and, you know, move around the pocket and everything, and his playmaking ability, Kareem Hunt, playmaking ability in terms of running the football, even receiving the ball, and Tyreek Hill. This dude is an absolute 
stud and a star. I mean, his big playability is ridiculous. Six touchdowns, 567 yards for this guy. I mean, his playmaking ability is off the chart. That touchdown that tied the game at 40 was ridiculous. He, you know, he called the ball, and then he just, like, ran away from the guy. Ran away from the Patriot defender. It was just like, dude, like, he wasn't even there. It was like the defender wasn't even there. Just ran away from him. Tyreek Hill is special. Patrick Mahomes, the small sample size that we've seen, seems special. The, the, the Chiefs have something here on the offensive side of the ball. They have something. Defensively, you got to be concerned. I felt like with this football team, I, I think they're going to be in a position where they're going to have to outscore some teams. They're going to have to outscore some teams because their defense is not very good. They're going to have to outscore you. I mean, defensively, they're getting a 28 points a game. That's a lot. And that's putting a lot of pressure on your offense. 28 points a game. It's 27th in the league. So 28.7 points per game. Darn near 29 points per game you're giving up. So that's four touchdowns. So basically, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs offense, you're going to have to put up some points if you want to win games. You're 5-1 and one at this point, but you're going to have to put up points if you want to win. It's that simple. You're going to have to put up points in a lot of them. And you wonder what's going to happen when this gets to the playoffs. Because you look at – I'm just looking at some of the teams. You know, they beat the Steelers. 42 to 37. You know, the Steelers had a lot of success. Obviously, the Patriots game last week, they had a lot of success. Only team that really did not have success against the Kansas City Chiefs defense was Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Notice I said Blake Bortles first because he's a guy who's been struggling thus far this season. But Denver put up 23. San Francisco with Jimmy G. Before Jimmy G got hurt, Jimmy Garoppolo, they put up 27. Phillip Rivers and the Chargers put up 28. Big Ben and the Steelers put up 37. And Tom Brady and the Patriots put up 40. So the point I'm trying to make is this. If they're making the playoffs, not if, when the Chiefs make the playoffs, the teams that they're going to play in the playoffs are going to be teams that are going to have a level of offensive firepower. It's just the way it is. But we've seen the key is they got to try to get this thing to go through Arrowhead. They got to get this thing to go through Arrowhead, if they can. But the thing is, six teams are in the playoffs. As I, I, you know what? I, I'm saying it now, but there's just only six games in but the Patriots are a team that can score. They're, they're a team that you're going to have concerns about. The Chargers can score. Um, Cincinnati, they're a team that has some offensive firepower. So 
the point I'm trying to make is that defense in Kansas City is going to have to be better. It's going to have to be better because you're putting too much pressure on that offense in Kansas City. You're putting too much pressure on that, that, that offense. And, again, the offense has been special. The offense has been amazing. The offense looks like it won't be slowing down anytime soon. So offensively, just looking at this team, meaning the Kansas City Chiefs, a team that's putting up darn near 36 points a game. They're putting up 36 points a game. 36. 36 points a game. And so the pressure, they're giving up 28. Putting up 36, giving up, giving up 28. So there's pressure on that offense to have to score. There's pressure. So I don't I, – I, I think the Chiefs obviously are going to be one of those teams that is going to be there. I think there's no doubt about that. But you wonder, that defense, they got to come to the party too. And at this point, they haven't come to the party. They came to the party once. I mean, they, 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 six games, they came once to the party. They had six times to go to the party, and they showed up once. One time. That's it. And they haven't been the same since. That one time. And that one time was against the Jaguars. So obviously there is concern from my standpoint about this offense, this defense, excuse me. Because the pressure that is on that offense to put up the points that they need to point on, it's a big time pressure. And they have to put up big numbers offensively if they want to be successful. That's just the bottom line. And and we'll see. I think the offense can do it. I think that fast break offense in Kansas City can do it. But we'll, we'll see. It's a lot of pressure. At some point, your offense may struggle. They may have a game where they struggle. And maybe that's a the game they lose. Or they lost last week. But that maybe that's another game that they lose. But we'll see. But they gotta get, they gotta fix that if they want. And I still think even 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 with all that. I still think they can still make the Super Bowl, but their offense has to be what their offense has to be. And that's a team that's putting up, you know, big-time numbers. We'll see. Staying in the NFL and looking at the Dallas Cowboys and what they did last week against the Jaguars, impressive. Absolutely impressive. And this is a Jaguar off defense coming into this year. You know, Jalen Ramsey was talking about everybody, everybody and their mamas. You know, talking about everybody, everybody's quarterback. Or, you know, you talk about everybody. And so he's talking about everybody. And then after the game, he's mom. You know, he didn't say much against after that game. What, what can you say? What can you say when your defense gives up 40 points? What can you say when you lose 40 to 7? You can't say much. You can't say nothing. 
You really can't. But you can also argue this dude don't have no problems talking, don't pro- have no problems singling out everybody, don't have no problems, you know, blowing up everybody and, and calling this person, that person, that one, and, and all that. He had no problem doing all that. He had no problems talking about people. He had no problems, you know, you know, talking a lot of yin yang, a lot of noise. He had no problem doing that. None. But now, when the, when the chips are down, your defense is giving up forty points. You're getting blown out. Hard to talk. Hard to say much. Maybe he should have talked about his quarterback in that article. Talk about everybody else. Talked about Eli. Maybe he needs to talk about Blake. Maybe he needs to talk about those guys. His teammates. His quarterback. Maybe. But the Jaguars got to, you know, this is a team coming into this year that some people have gone to the Super Bowl. And as far as I'm concerned, and obviously the expectations are different. And, again, it's always different when you sneak up on somebody in comparison to when teams know who you are and know what you're about. It's easier to sneak up. It's a lot harder when teams know what you're about. They know what the Jacksonville Jaguars are about. They know this defense was formidable last year. They know this defense coming to play this year and looking to get to the Super Bowl. They know teams know how close the Jags were to getting to the Super Bowl. Close. Real close. But this Jaguar football team they need better quarterback play. Blake Bortles has to be better. And again, Looking at what's going on in the AFC, looking at what's going on with Tom Brady and the Patriots, they're going to be around. Looking at what's going on with Kansas City, they're going to be around. So I look at it, Jacksonville's going to have to score some points if they want to get to the Super Bowl. That's simple. And with the way their quarterback play is, you got to question it. you got to question it. So, it's a tough situation in Jacksonville, and they got a big game coming up against the game, you know, right now the AFC South, three-way tie on top of the AFC South at this point. A three-way tie. So, we'll see if the Jacksonville Jaguars can get back to their winning ways. But it's incumbent upon Blake Bortles to step up his play. It is incumbent upon this defense with Ramsey, Boye, Fowler, Jack. It's incumbent for that defense to step up their play, too. This this ain't just the offense. 
brothers and sisters come to the party too. And they haven't done it in these past two weeks. They haven't come to the party. We need Calais Campbell to come to the party. Darius, Malik Jackson to come to the party. The Malik Jackson who said this team could go 16 and out. We need those guys to come to the party. So we'll see what happens. Real quick, because we just got about three minutes left, and we just go around the league. Last night, we saw Arizona, the Cardinals get smashed by the Broncos. Wasn't even close. That was a Thursday night matchup that you looked at. Even before the game, you're like, ugh, I don't want to watch that. And it turned out to be what we thought it would be, an unwatchable situation. And Thursday night football in general, more often than not, has been unwatchable. Last night was was super unwatchable. I didn't watch it. I mean, I, I, I was watching the Sixers last night, and, and I went in a couple times, but I didn't watch it. So, but it wasn't watchable. Broncos moved to three and four, continue to struggle. And, you know, it's not surprising. They got a young rookie quarterback in Josh Rosen. He's got to figure it out. Josh Rosen, excuse me, he's got to figure it out. So, and it's going to take time to figure it out. Raiders are struggling. John Gruden came in there, got rid of their best player, Khalil Mack. They're struggling. Can't get after a quarterback. Lost some close ones along the way, but they're struggling. So we'll see what happens as the NFL season moves on. We'll see if the Philadelphia Eagles can start separating themselves in the NFC East. We'll see if the Cowboys, you know, coming off that victory against Jaguars, the Cowboys have turned and righted their ship. They're 3-0 at home, 0-3 on the road. We'll see if they're right at their, they right at their ship. That should be interesting against the Redskins at Washington in the NFC East tilt rivalry game. So we'll see what happens. You can listen to this show and other great shows at uh, blogtalkradio.com slash began, iheart.com. Look under go for it, G-O, the number four IT. Also, stitcher.com under Paul Gant. Also, goforradio.com where you can listen to this show and other great shows. We want to thank Marlon Gill, Rider University assistant basketball coach, for stopping by. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. See you next week.